This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 120 of the Dressage Radio Show, brought to you with the generous support of Charles Owen, Horseshow.com, and Equestrian Collections. I'm Chris Stafford, and joining me to co-host the show this week is JJ Tate. Welcome back to the show, JJ. Thank you very much, Chris. It feels great to be back. How have you been since we last saw you? You know, um, we, we, I knew you were going to be traveling up to the to the Young Horse Championship, so you've been pretty busy, haven't you? I, I, you tweet, and I follow you on Facebook, and I, so I know you've been getting around since we last spoke. <laughs> Yes, it's been it's been very busy. We were um I think the last time we talked we were talking about uh the North American Young Rider and Junior Championships out there in Kentucky and since then we've made a long trek out to Chicago for the National Young Horse uh classes and um I was actually in the developing horse championship. So we ended up the seventh, which was you know, a little disappointing. We had too many mistakes, but I'm really proud of my horse, uh, Fabergé, and it was such a beautiful weekend. Although while I was away, we had an earthquake and a hurricane come through Maryland. So it was, yeah. of all the weeks to be gone, it was uh, a little stressful not to be back in my barn, but my assistant, uh, Ashley Perkins, did a super job battening down the hatches, and we all survived with no problem. Oh, gosh. No, no, that's a relief to know because a lot of people were not so fortunate, were they, with those uh, terrible weather coming through them. It extraordinary. is unbelievable, this weather. I mean, and it's just crazy. I mean, for, for people's sake, it was great that New York didn't get um, that terribly, you know, that they were saying, but then everything north of there, it was just such destructive such destructive, you know, people are out of electricity and it's flooding and it's just, Mother Nature has just been wreaking havoc. It's just really some powerful stuff going on. It really is. And, you know, we have our friends all around the world listening and I know that you all have pretty extreme weather in different parts of the world. And, and, you know, you don't expect it to be so bad here in the States. And I'm sure they're looking at us thinking, well, we have hurricanes, we have earthquakes, but, you know, it is unusual for that to happen to us here uh, to the extent that which it has and an earthquake in Virginia, my goodness. Well, hope everyone is uh, safe and recovered. And of course, if you do want to support those in need that have suffered from this extreme weather, we do have a website, horseworldgivesback.com, which uh, the Horse Radio Network supports all year round. So please join us in that effort. Well, JJ, we have a big show this week. We're going to be talking to a friend of yours, Teresa Butter, about uh, young horse development. That's, a, I know, a subject that's dear to your heart, isn't it? It is. I'm just really passionate about, you know, all horses, but I, I really love, you know, having, you know, just watching a, a special horse sort of come through the levels and and to be able to be, you know, part of their beginning of their of their life. I mean, I don't myself. I don't start young horses uh, from the from the beginning beginning, but I do. I, I'm many times, you know, the rider that takes them to their first horse shows and brings them up to the young horse program. And, um, it's exciting to, you know, then see them turn into beautiful FEI horses. So, um, it, it's a wonderful program and I'm, I'm really, truly excited about it. Well, we'll look forward to hearing from Teresa a little bit later on in the show. We're also going to hear from Abby Henderson. Abby is the owner of Elysium Farm up in Harvard, Massachusetts, a breeding farm, because she's just contributed to a new grant fund via the Dressage Foundation to support breeders in the U.S. So a wonderful initiative there. We're going to hear more about that from Abby in just a second. But before we go any further, um, uh, and also should mention that we also have the U.S. Dressage Federation's uh, monthly segment. That's coming up later on in the show with uh, Catherine Robertson and Lilo Four. But uh, as I said, before we go any further, I do want to uh, bring you news of one of our sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show, and that is Horseshow.com. At Horseshow.com, you can now compete online just like you were at a regular horse show. You can get judged by the top judges and get the judges' comments. Just upload your home video and enter a class online at horseshow.com. It's a simple and economic way for you to compete with your horse from home. 
And it's also a great way to prepare for your next show and to track your progress during the off-season. So go to horseshow.com where they feature real horse shows for multiple breeds and disciplines that's judged also by nationally accredited judges. All you have to do is uh, go to horseshow.com 24-7 to upload your video and enter with a chance to win at any time at horseshow.com. Well, as I said, the first guest here on the show is Abby Henderson, who's the owner of Elysium Farm, and she has started this wonderful initiative that, uh, and I know you'll be eager to hear about this, JJ, because it does support breeders in the U.S. to try and uh, raise the bar over here and to make us more competitive with European breeders. So uh, let's hear from Abby Henderson. Well, Abby, hi, welcome to the Dressage Radio Show, and thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, I'm delighted you could join us because we are talking about young horse development and breeding and how important that all is over here now in the States as we're trying to establish this and catch up with Europe. And the announcement this week of the new grant fund that, you, that you're behind this, tell us about it and what was the catalyst for this idea, Abby? Well, it's actually something that I've been thinking about for a couple of years. Um, I got an opportunity to spend some time um, with uh, some horses that were bred in this country and and talk a little bit to their their breeders. And um, I, I just began to appreciate some of the challenges that U.S. breeders face, and they you know they have for the most part, such a commitment to, you know, improving the quality, and they're often trying to do that with limited resources. Well, they're certainly doing that. You're the owner, as I said in the introduction, to of Elysium Farm, so this is something that, obviously, your livelihood as well. Tell us a little bit about your operation and, and, and how, you know, this all fits in what you're trying to achieve at the farm as well. Uh, well, we're a 23-stall boarding facility, um, as you said, in Harvard, and, um, you know, we really have a commitment to, you know, quality horse care and and uh, quality training, and we just felt that, you know, quality U.S. breeding fit in really nicely with our mission, and it was something that, you know, we had the opportunity to do, and we thought it was a nice fit. Well, it certainly is that now. Do you want to explain exactly how it works, how people can qualify for this, and and what the value of it is? It's open to any U.S. breeder, um, big or small, and it's for um, any educational opportunity, either in this country or even abroad. Um, And, you know, we're just looking to help people increase their ability to attend, you know, educational events to improve their own breeding program. Well, certainly that we will obviously um, put a link to the Dressage Foundation, of course, uh, and has announced this. And you can apply through the Dressage Foundation, I'm assuming, uh, Abby. Yeah. Yep, that's correct. Terrific. And and there will be funds available in, in future years. Is that the idea as the balance increases over time, as donations increase the fund balance? Yeah, I believe uh, the first donations will likely be available in 2012, and and then we'll you know hopefully have an opportunity to increase that further. Well, terrific. So, what what would be your long term goal for this, Abby? Well, my long term goal is certainly to help U.S. breeders catch up with with Europe. I, I'd love I'd love to see you know I'd love to see U.S. bred horses being internationally competitive and. Um, you know, the availability of really quality horses, even for adult amateurs, to be much more, um, much more extensive in this country and, and, um, you know, just generally improve the quality of horses here. Well, uh, obviously a terrific objective. And as I said earlier, you know, we, it's, it's something we want to do is to catch up with, with Europe, isn't it? And uh, there's more and more very good, um, you know, American bred horses over here, warm bloods over here as the sport uh, grows too. Absolutely. I think it, it's a very realistic, you know, goal over time to catch up. So we'd love to be a part of, of that happening. Well, that's wonderful. Well, thank you very much. We will put a link, of course, to the Dressage Foundation's website for the Elysium Farm Fund for U.S. Breeder Excellence. So, well, Abby, good luck with that, and uh, thank you very much for spending time and telling us more about it today. 
Oh, well, thanks again for having me. Well, JJ, you know, that's extremely helpful and, and well, uh, I'm sure, warmly welcome to have that kind of support for breeders because, you know, without that kind of support, you know, it's going to take a long time to bring us up to par with the European counterparts, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I just think that's just terrific, um, you know, that we want to be able to raise and, and breed our own horses here and, and so that we can be competitive on the world market. I I think it's improving, and I think, you know, every year we see better and better horses, and um, it's just terrific that, you know, there's going to be funding available and sponsorships um, to really the real grassroots of it all are really the breeders. And, you know, with without wonderful products, you know, we as trainers, you know, we're only as good as the horses we sit on. So I think that's terrific. Um, that's great. Great news. It is very exciting. And uh, thanks again to Abby for joining us. I'll put a link on our show notes to Abby's uh, website too at elysiumdressage.com and also to the Dressage Foundation, where, as Abby says, you can find out more about that grant. Well, we're going to hear from Teresa Butter in a moment and be talking more about young horses. But before we do, I want to remind you about our sponsors, Charles Owen, because Charles Owen, while they're most widely known for their helmets, they also produce gloves and they have two popular gloves, the Ruckel Chester and the Ruckel New Ascot gloves, which are stylish synthetic leather gloves that come with rain reinforcements and an elasticated wristband, plus a hook and, f- and loop fastening tab for adjustability. The back of the glove is breathable, which prevents the buildup of sweat. It's practical and hard-wearing, making it ideal for everyday use. You can find out more about these gloves and, of course, all the helmets in the Charles Owen range by visiting their website at charlesowen.co.uk. And we are obviously thrilled to have Charles Owen as sponsors of the Dressage Radio. So, Well, coming now to our next guest, JJ, who's a good friend of yours, so why don't you introduce her to the show? Teresa Boot has been a really great friend of mine um, for a number of years. She's on the East Coast, uh, definitely one of the top young horse riders and trainers. Uh, we've both been five-year uh, attendees of Scott Hassler's Young Dressage Horse Trainer Symposium, which is an invite-only, no press allowed, um, terrific symposium where we, um, Harmony Sport Horses are generous sponsors of this event, and um, we bring over um, many times Europeans uh, to help us sort of upgrade our national trainers of the young horses. And Teresa and I have been very good friends and have just really become very good friends through the program of, of the young horses. Uh, we both have been competing against each other, and we just, you know, really felt like we have so much in common and are both passionate about it, and I'm excited to... Um, yeah, talk with her about all of this. Well, JJ, we've got a friend of yours joining us now, Teresa Butt from Glen Burnie or Glen Burnie, Maryland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're going to be talking about uh, young horses. After Obviously, the Young Horse Championship just took place. So I think there's quite a few things that you uh, want to cover in this. I think it's, it's interesting that we should address this because we've had actually interest from our listeners around the world to, to cover this very subject. So uh, welcome to the show, Teresa. Hello, how are you? Well, good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, I know you and JJ are good friends, and so you're probably on the same page here with this subject. I mean, there's a lot of issues around, as I said, young horses and preparing young horses for the championship. So, JJ, I'll hand it over to you. Okay, great. Well, <clears throat> Therese and I have been friends for a long time, and we've both um, trained with Scott Hassler, our national young horse coach for um, Teresa, how long have you trained with Scott? Many years, I think. Uh, I started riding with Scott uh, the year the first uh, Young Horse Trainer Symposium was held uh, when he was at Hilltop, and I believe that was 2005. Yeah, I, I think you're right. So we both um, have been five-year attendees of the um, Young Horse Trainer Symposium that Scott holds every year. Um and we've both um, actually ridden uh, horses at Ferdin, the World Championships uh, for dressage horses as well. And we're both trainers uh, in Maryland. And I just, you know, thought it'd be really fun to have a discussion, you know, back and forth about, uh, you know, how to prepare horses for young horse classes, what horses are the right types of horses. Um, and first, I want to say uh, this year's Young Horse Championships, I just got, got home from Chicago last week. And it was incredible. The, the level of 
quality of horses and riders, it's really exciting where the where the sport is coming. I mean, don't you think, Teresa, that every year you see something changing? Absolutely, absolutely. It, from from the first time I started participating in it, um, you know, and every year, you know, I had young horses coming up, and I had went to you know consecutive ones, and even every year the horses were getting better and better and better, and um, I think last year and especially this year, I mean, Emily's horse is super horse. And I mean, just the quality is getting so much better. We're breeding better horses here and that's exciting. And, you know, the horses that come from Europe, you know, are really on point and, but we're getting better horses in America too. So the quality is getting much better. Yeah. I think it's exciting too about, you know, the quality of trainers, uh, and the quality of riding, I, I think, um, you know, just everyone's on such a great camaraderie level and everyone, it, it felt finally this year a lot more like it felt in Fairden where, you know, everybody was really excited about their talented young prospects and, and I would say probably the top five or six places in each class were all over eight, which, you know, a few years ago was just not, that just maybe the winner was over eight. So it's been exciting yeah. to see where that's going and the, the the marks going up and, you know, the people returning. Sometimes horses change riders, but it's kind of fun to sort of follow your favorite horse, you know, like Silva Martin's Estate, you know, where it was like we all loved him when he was four, you know, and he was national champion. And it's just exciting to see, you know, what the horse is turning into. And it's just Absolutely. a real great time in the sport. So I just want to uh, explain for all our listeners out there, you know, what the young horse classes are. And that it's a little bit different from our regular national tests where um, for the young horse classes that we have a four, five, and six-year-old division. And at the national championships, the top 15 from all the other qualifying shows around the country get qualified to come. And a horse is judged on only five categories. So he's judged, he gets a score for his walk, trot, and canter, submission, and overall impression. And Therese, can you let's just talk a little bit about um, what your feeling is on that versus a, a regular dressage test? Well, for me, uh, the exciting part about the young horse classes is, uh, you know, if you have a horse that's super talented and but can be a little fresh and you know a little bit full of fire and gives you a little bit, you know, in the middle of the class, they don't um, they don't necessarily, you know hurt you for that. Like if you were in a regular class and, you know, you get a zero because your horse, you know, didn't do something, you know, they, they, they look more at the overall thing and they kind of will let the horse make little mistakes uh, because they, they want the quality horses for the future. You know, for me, I had a, a five-year-old mare that uh, uh, she was a standard hit and I would have loved to have done the young horse classes with her, but unfortunately she just wasn't strong enough to, show the gates as big as she could and, and just look like, you know, that international quality. So I took the route of the national level classes with her and she did great and won with 70 and 75%. But in the young horse classes, um, not because she was exuberant that she would have gotten in trouble, but she didn't have the strength to keep the quality of what they were looking for. And, um, and she ended up developing fine into, a you know, young promising FEI horse, you know, pre-St. George. So, for me, that's what's exciting about the young horse class is that the, the, what they're looking for is different, and then you have the option of what's best for the horse, and that's what I love about it. Um, you know, I don't know how you feel about that, but, you know, uh, they can have that exuberance, you know, and it's okay, and you can take a little bit more risk and show what they have, the horse has. Yeah, I think uh, I love the young horse classes, and I, I think I also want to mention, too, that instead of we also are able to pick up a score sheet at the end. But what's really fun and exciting about, well, usually fun and exciting about the young is the judge has a microphone. So everybody and the other that are standing around the arena get to hear exactly why the judges, um, and there's normally two, sometimes three judges in the booth at the same time together judging. So that's also what's fun about it, that it really becomes not just, oh, this judge, you know, loves my riding, yeah. this judge doesn't love my riding. There's two in there, and they get to, they get to discuss what they yeah. love about and it, what me. they didn't love about it, and come to a consensus, and then they share that with all the spectators mm-hmm. 
and the other riders. It's really uh, such a fun way to yeah. really get educated and also, you know, what to yeah. look for. And to add to that, I think, uh, you know, dressage is a sport. You know, everybody wants to see the Grand Prix and, and uh, you know, I love to see the Grand Prix too, but uh, to make the the young horse stuff, you know, it, that's exciting for, for people to come and see and that can help promote the sport in this country for, um, you know, to people listen and understand what's going on with the horses and, and the training a little bit. And um, that's what I like about the young horse classes too. You know, when they get on the microphone, you know, the people in the stands are, uh, it, it's a little bit exciting, you know, uh, to hear. And as a rider, you're here like, woo, you know, it's a little bit low, but I like that part of it, you know, to, to try to get people more involved in the sport and, and make it a little bit exciting, you know? And I do think it also increases the camaraderie also between the yes. riders and the judges, you know, so many times, you know, it just has a different energy to it when you can stand at sea and be face to face, you know, eye to eye with the judges and have them. I mean, sometimes you can get some really great advice on, and not that yes. they should be giving you a, a riding lesson, but, Sometimes just they say something in a way that you just can't capture in words on a test. So I think that's also yeah. a lot of fun. And I and think Teresa, judging, and also, oh, sorry. what's that? I'm sorry. I was just going to say, what? speaking of the judging, it's been interesting over you know the past five six years to see how the judging has developed. You know what I mean? Um, I think uh, we've gotten better uh, with the ju- with the judges doing the comments and and that part of it has has gotten better and just like you said that that you can look them in the face and they can you know it's just really developed and and getting better every time I think yeah and I think the energy is changing where it's like everyone sees a talented horse and everybody gets excited about it the other trainers that are there and I think the judges and I you know it's just kind of like everyone's sort of excited, you know, they're really rooting for the horse to be successful. Like, you want to have that horse get big points. And it was really fun. You know, I think for one of the first times in America, people were clapping, you know, when someone would get, like, an 8.8. Like, the crowd was getting excited. Like, within the comments, people would start clapping, and they were so excited about it. And that just, you know, dressage is sort of, you know, a boring sport, you know, where it's like no Mm -hmm. one's allowed to clap and get excited and it's like it's totally thrilling and it is exciting and it's fun but you know people are I agree with you that they're starting to get really into you know picking a favorite horse because they're just moving so beautifully that and I do think you know as riders and you would know this too that it's like it's just as difficult um yes the Grand Prix has more elements to it and there's a lot more movements in it but to get a four five or six year old in a relative balance point to be able to do the things in this test. You know, a five-year-old has to counter canter. Six-year-olds have to make four clean flying things in the final test. I mean, to get a young horse who's still maybe growing, struggling a little bit with their balance, distracted by mm-hmm. the atmosphere, you know, to get a young horse to be for them at that moment of their life and in their training to be able to be that balanced and that responsive, that can yes. be just as big of a challenge to get a grown pre-horse Sometimes a bigger challenge to get, you know, than a Grand Prix horse to get in that balance, you know, to be able to do a fantastic Grand Prix. You know, I think it's also a, a special skill and a and an awesome challenge to take a young horse into the class and really show at this point in its life it has really top training. I, I think that's really something special yes. as well. Yes. And I, I agree, you know, your Grand Prix horse um, isn't going to be butt high in six months, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to make the horses uh, right and peak, uh, you know, to qualify and then, you know, maybe continue with the training and, you know, as they grow, maybe back off, maybe teach them something new and get them physically strong enough that they're ready for the nationals. It's it's a tricky business and um, yeah. balancing what's right for the horse and, sometimes what your owner wants and sometimes what your heart wants because you know that horse is so special and you want to do the best that you can for that horse. And um, it it can be a tricky game um, that, you know, to do what's best for the horse and 
it's a tough it's a tough uh, time in their life that their body's changing so much and their mind's developing and they're traveling and um you know I, I think it can be very difficult i agree but i think it's also you know it's such a wonderful time to get that basis of body strength and uh you know throughness of the body is starting to begin and it's such a wonderful time for the horses to be ridden correctly and you know for the trainers like ourselves and and many of our friends uh it's a it's a you know it's just such a i don't know what the right word to say is um how important it is for us to ride the horses correctly and and give them the chance to show themselves you know, uh, I don't know how to say that better, but to, to let them shine without us interfering is, is you know what I mean? To set them up that they can yeah. just, I just don't know how to say it right. <laughs> but well, and, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I definitely think, you know, we're talking about creating the the correct foundation and that, yes. you know, that's how many times have we've gotten horses in training that we've had to redo things or, you know, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. like they've been confused and or yes. they've been because they're exuberant, been a little mistreated or, you know, they're, yep. just, they're like such a clean slate when they first are young. And I, I, I'm sure you would agree with me on this too, Teresa, that it's like we would rather take, you know, a baby green, un, you know, barely broke three-year-old over a five-and-a-half-year-old that's had not a great start, you know, because to Absolutely. teach them something for the first time is, of course, training is not so easy, but it makes it much easier when you don't have to go and try and erase something or, yes. you know, the, the first thing the horse learns is the right thing. I think that's um, huge, you know, and that you can really lay the foundation whether the horse stays with you the rest of its life or it goes on to have a, um, you know, it becomes an amateur's horse or, you know, goes on some, you know, a sponsor buys it for a different horse, you know, in mm-hmm. Europe, it's amazing that these young horse riders are as famous as the Olympic riders. And, mm-hmm. you know, they they just have such a, as much respect and, um, you know, that everyone appreciates that, oh, yeah, you, you rode that horse at the World Championships or young horse, the Bundes Championat. I mean, it's all just so exciting. And, yes. Um, and one thing I'd like to add... And one thing I'd like to add is some of the horses, um, you know, that have done the young horse classes uh, in Europe, because I've had people approach me and say, well, they just do the young horse classes and then you never see these horses again. But there are several horses that have done uh, the world championships that have become great Grand Prix horses. Um, You personally have had one in your barn. Um, Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, my horse that I took to the world championships, God willing, uh, I'm going to show them Grand Prix soon. And um, it's not ruining young horses. The the most important thing is to do what's right for the horse. If it's too much for the horse, then go the national way. If yeah. the horse can or do it. Or don't show it all. And it's, yeah, or don't show Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the young horse classes are super valuable um, if they're used in the right way, which I think Scott absolutely, that's in his heart and that's the way he wants to go, and, and we should all follow that. Used in the right way, this can become a basis for the United States to have a really good team for the future of Grand Prix horses and a team of great riders. I mean, we have wonderful riders in this country, you know, Stefan, Debbie, and, um, you know, we have a you know, wonderful, but we need more wonderful people. Uh J.J. Tate and Teresa Beetle would be great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is going to be such a great basis uh, for a pool of horses for the United States to start having great uh, Grand Prix horses for the Olympics in the future. I, I feel well, like that's my exciting. hope. I agree. I agree 100%. And I think, um, you know, Gladstone, we're leaving tomorrow morning for Gladstone, and there's al- almost half of the class of the, of the Pan Am hopefuls have been young horse young horse uh, candidates. I mean, David Blake and Lord Albert were um, also yeah. with me when I was in Sheridan in 2007 in the five-year-old division. We all know Stephen Peters' horse, and he's competing, was successful um, at Aachen, and now um, one of the top couple of spots for, um, you know, for the Pan Am game. 
But it's just exciting to, um, you know, to see these horses that you're absolutely right. The young horse classes absolutely does not ruin young horses. And my 19-year-old sound, you know, Grand Prix horse um, was ridden when he was five and six in the world championships for Sweden. Uh, his name's Cam Bay. He's a full brother to, um, uh, uh, um, uh, I'm totally having a mind blank right now, Admiral. So, you know, all these, you know, um, Totalus was there as a, as a five-year-old as well. And of course yep. he didn't move the same way, but there's many, many really successful top level horses that have gone, mm-hmm. you know, and yes, are absolutely. still successful in the top levels. Well, we're going to continue this conversation in just a second, but first of all, I want to remind you about one of our valued sponsors here on the Dressage Radio Show, and that, of course, is Equestrian Collections. If you're shopping for a young rider, an Equestrian Collections gives you the best choice of riding apparel. Also, footwear, gifts, helmets, and safety gear for young riders of any equestrian website in the world. And there's also great everyday prices and promotional prices, too, with an enormous selection from head to toe. Equestrian Collections have young riders covered. You can shop the Young Riders Department at equestriancollections.com or in the horse department. And remember, you can use the coupon code HRN at the checkout and get $10 off your next order or of $100 or more. Equestrian Collections is a participating retailer of the Horse World Gives Back campaign. So what do you think? Like, what do you look for when you're looking? I mean, I think it's important to also talk about, like, not all four-year-olds and five-year-olds and just because mm-hmm. your horse is sick, need to go uh, and do these classes. So, what do you what do you look for when you're looking for a horse to go to this to this group of elite athletes for that age group? Well, uh, when I'm looking for a horse, um, I I really prefer three very good, clean, quality gates. Um, yeah. If I go look at a horse and it has this huge trot and it's just like, oh, my gosh, but then the walk is lateral and tight and, um, you know, maybe because it's been, you know, accidentally taught to do that. Um, I was, I just like three very good, clean quality gates because with the correct training, the way dressage is meant to be, the horse will become a super Grand Prix horse, we all hope. Or at least a good FEI horse, you know, it, it, yeah. unless you have an injury or something. But with the correct training to develop and let that horse show his natural ability, that's what I look for. In yeah, I, I I agree 100. percent And I I think, um, you know, I I have two eight year olds in my barn right now. One is a his name is Rosal. He's a beautiful. Uh, Oldenburg stallion, and he's a little bit more of a wow. You know, he's just a beautiful animal, and um, sometimes not so focused just because he's a stallion. And then I have a mm-hmm. very nice, kind of normal um, Westphalian named um, Fabergé, who it turns out it, he turned into a wonderful, wonderful horse. And we were yeah. just seventh at the Developing Horse Championships, um, and he was reserve champion as a six year old. And he was one of those horses that didn't have fancy gates, had really good gates, very clear, terrific mm-hmm. uh, walk. And it, what they loved about him was his overall impression. Like that really scored huge points because he was supple, he was listening, he was balanced. And so sometimes it's interesting. And I, and I had gotten there at the horse show, like on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'm looking at these horses trotting around, and they were amazing. And I'm like, kind of getting a little insecure, like, oh, my God, you know, Fiji is not trotting like that. Like, oh, my God, that thing is going to the Olympics. And it was amazing that that horse probably ended up, you know, sixth or, or, or something. You know, it was not in the top. And here, you know, Fiji was because he was so rideable and his mind mm-hmm. is so trainable, um, he was able to really show himself well. So it, it's fun that each horse has a little bit different, something special to bring. And even mm-hmm. though it may not have the most extraordinary gaits, uh, if it's very rideable and very trainable and you can present a beautiful test, they will also reward that. And so that's, that's also great, you know, that uh, it doesn't have to only be, you know, super, super fancy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, moving like a world beater. You know, of course, we love the world beater uh, yeah. as well, mm-hmm. but um, it's fun to have a horse that can just be really trainable as well. And I, and I do think, you know, when we... 
when we think about, you know, we just always have to listen to the horse, that the horse is our calendar. And I've got a mm-hmm. wonderful um, five-year-old uh, that um, my fiancé, Richard Longer, rides a little bit, and I uh, had ridden it a few times. And we kind of attempted, you know, we were thinking, oh, maybe we should do the young horse classes with him. He has fabulous gates, like nothing under an eight. And he's just not strong enough. It's just what we were talking about before. You know, he's growing. He's just in the middle of an awkward stage. He's only a year and a half under saddle. And it was like, oh, it's just so exciting to think this horse is so special and we love him. And he's so trainable and rideable, but he just doesn't have enough balance to do a canter walk out of a counter canter. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we didn't want to push him. He's going to be a wonderful horse, um, probably a wonderful Grand Prix horse, hopefully one day. And it's just not worth, you know, to add that angst, you know, mm-hmm. for our goals or what we think he should do. And I just think that's always, I don't think you could ever go wrong in training horses if you constantly agree. listen to the horse and what he wants to do. And um, I wrote something on my Facebook page the other day about, you know, letting the horse be who they are and not making them into who you think they should be. And I could not believe the response on this. I mean, people just went crazy about it. And, you know, we were kind of joking because it's like whether that's my chestnut, you know, wild horse wants his mane on the left side and I've been combing him to the right all this time, let him be who he is. And if he doesn't want to do yeah. the young horse classes, then he doesn't have to do the young horse classes. He still may be, you know, not every horse has to take the exact same road. And just because he doesn't do the young horse classes doesn't mean it's not a quality animal. But I, I do think it's it's fun to do. I, I think it's a great program. I think Scott Hassler is doing just a super job uh, organizing the whole thing and being a great coach at the horse shows. And I mean, we, you and I, we're lucky enough to train with them, you know, uh, privately and, and reg- on a regular basis. And I, I just think it's a really great program to be a part of. I agree. I absolutely agree. And um, like you said, the horses being the calendar, um, I think it's good for people to set short-term goals. Of course, we all want to reach for the stars and go to the world championships, And um, but be realistic and listen to your horse, set short-term goals, and, you know, with your five-year-old, like you said, you know, uh, get him used to going to shows, and then who knows, you know, over the winter, he might just explode, and next year you come out and do the six-year-olds, and that's totally possible. Um, with Johnny, who I showed in the five-year-olds and the six-year-olds in the Horse Unitas, um, I did not do the four-year-olds with him when he was four um, because he just wasn't ready. Uh, the first horse show I took him to as a four-year-old, he wouldn't go up center line, and I got a 50. You know, he was just so <laughs> scared of everything. So as a four-year-old, I didn't want to put the pressure on him of doing, you know, equivalent of first level with lengthenings and, you know, just you know, making him try to balance so much and then adding on top of that pressure and when he's like, oh, my gosh, you know. So as a four-year-old, I didn't do young horse classes with him. And then as a five- and a six-year-old, he did very well for me. So I was yeah, glad that I, I would did. Say, yeah, and I would say the same similar experience with Donner Moose, the horse that I went in 2007 in the six-year-old divisions. And he and Johnny were always in the in the same classes together. And I did do the four-year-olds with him. Uh, Dev and I came out when he was a four-year-old. And that was a great experience. I mean, for him, he was a really big, powerful mover. So to just, you know, fly around in the four-year-old test, he, he loved that. But then his five-year-old year was definitely more of a challenge. And I, I felt like I was dealing with a lot of growth. And, I mean, for him mm-hmm. to start to learn to package his canter, to be able to do counter-canter into the walk, it, it was just like I would be looking down alongside, like, oh, my God, I have to walk at the end of this, and we're just, like, careening downhill. And then as a six-year-old, he just found himself and pulled himself together, and I could not believe the quality of movement in that horse. And um, we were able to, you know, get qualified for the World Championships and and represent our country and be the top-placing American pair there, and that was just such a gift. And as a five-year-old, I would have never even dreamed that, that was in our future. I just would have never even thought it. I, and it was just, for me, sort of something fun and different to do. And I kind of liked the program. And uh, I thought, what the heck, I'll, I'll give it a try. And, you know, that's where we sort of really became friends. And it was just such a wonderful, um, you know, experience. And then, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. from there, you know, you just decide which horses, you know, mm-hmm. I think, um, 
you know, the four-year-old class is, is really nice and they're not, you know, I, I always get a chuckle when they're like, the horse is two on the forehand, you know, as, four, as a four-year-old. And I'm kind of like, but aren't they all kind of on the forehand? Because they're yeah. four, you know, <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. kind of funny, just the different standards of, of, you know, how a horse should balance itself for what age. But, you know, I, I think when you see it done well and you get a really good rider that in a nice, you know, sympathetic way can can bring the best out of your horse for them at that mm-hmm. moment in their life. I think that's really important and, and money well spent. I mean, you know, yeah. as a six as a six, seven, eight year old, if you wanna take it home and ride them around and have a good time, like that they'll have a great basics by that time. But, you know, I, I think it's difficult and I think sometimes you do your horse a disservice when you, you know, um ride it around, you know, we were talking about this earlier, ride it around for six months when they first get mm-hmm. started and you don't can to them or, or you wait for their four and a half to get them under saddle. And, you know, there's some real big moments in their life that they sort of need this, um, uh, you know, they need this part of the riding and, and the learning and the growing and, you know, that their minds become trainable and their bodies become trainable and, Yes. You know, I, I think I, it's important to be able to start them early, give them time off after they're under saddle a little bit if they need it to get them growing. Um, so, yeah, just share a little bit what you think about that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think people uh, sometimes have a misconception about young horses. And uh, what I mean by that is think of it in terms of a gymnast, okay, Um I can't imagine at 36 years old now uh, doing a split or flipping through the air. (laughs) But when I was three or four years old and I started tumbling and started stretching and maybe by seven, I would have been like, woo, flipping around, right? Well, it's the same thing with young horses. You know, uh, you don't want to wait until they're, you know, the equivalent of my age (laughs) before you start teaching them how to bend or be flexible yeah. or to show them the, uh, the range of their movement when they're Absolutely. young. That is the yeah. best. Think of it like that is, is what I believe in my heart or like a ballet dancer. You know, I can start ballet yeah. dancing now. Well, <laughs> you know, so yeah. uh, I think if people think about it in terms like that, it might be easier for them to understand because I think people who sometimes maybe don't have the education like we do, where we've been able to work with some of the best masters and, you know, in, in our generation right now, you know, uh, we, it's just people, it's okay if a five-year-old who's trained correctly one day gets a little bit spooked and instead of running away, it starts to pee off a few steps. That is not right. abuse. That is letting the horse play and express himself and wow, play with that and develop it and don't wait till he's 11 or 12 years old and start beating him with the whip to make him pee off. Let him when he's well, and five and he's, yeah. you know. And don't shut down the exuberance. You know, I think that's yes. important. Yes, yes. So oh, great. This has been totally awesome talking with you about this passionate subject that we both love. Um, yes. We've got to wrap it up soon. So I just wanted to thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me about this. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. I really have enjoyed it. Well, it's been great to have you, dear Teresa. Thank you so much. We will, of course, put a link on your uh, on our show notes to your website, TeresaBertaDressage.com. And want to thank you for spending the time. Good luck with your young horses. And come back and see you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys take care. Well, that was great to, to hear. I know that was a conversation that could have gone on for a lot longer, JJ. You know, it, it, you know we're all passionate about talking about our kids, aren't we? And it's like... It's like, you know, listening to you talking about raising your children, isn't it, when we talk about the young horses and developing these well, horses it, in a you know, way. It's, it's funny you say that because my sister um, is a teacher and, you know, she always talks about, you know, um, her different kids in her class. And I'm like, that's what I do all day long. <laughs> I just have like 15 privately tutored kids that I'm dealing with every day and some get bored easy and... Some talk back and some are the perfect student and always have their homework done on time. And, you know, it just always, it's just so easy to, they're all so different, you know, and it's, Mm. they all develop a little differently. They all learn a little bit differently. And it's, it's just so fun to just hear that there's really no one way 
um, to have a horse become successful. And, you know, through a couple of our different stories, you know, some are good, you know, at the four-year-old and then skip a, skip a year and then they come back as a star as a six-year-old and some are never good in the young horse classes and just, you know, for whatever reason, they just can't get themselves balanced. They can't concentrate at the horse show. Um, they just need to go on a lot of field trips and, and get used to the, you know, excitement of the showgrounds and they, they come out when they're pre-St. George. I mean, they're all just so different. So it's definitely, definitely has a, a feeling of having our children. We're just so also just invested into their future. I mean, it's just like the basis of all what they'll learn for the rest of their lives. And so we definitely um, take that seriously and, and are very passionate about it. I know. So I think we're going to have to have uh, more segments like that, maybe, uh, you know, continue that, because I know we, we, we do have listeners, as I said, around the world that, that love to hear about young horse development. You know, what makes a good prospect for a, for the young horse yeah. classes and things like that? You know, so I think we, we, we should be um, discussing this more on the show in uh, future episodes, JJ. Well, Therese and I will certainly not run out of things to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we also want to hear from any of our listeners, too. You know, if there's uh, if there's anyone that you would like to hear from to talk about the subject of young horses or indeed anything on the show, then all you have to do is drop me an email to chris at horseradionetwork.com. And, and of course, if you'd like uh, JJ to invite anyone onto the show while she's co-hosting with me to uh, to talk about any of these topics or training issues we'd love to hear from you and uh, jj you may, may have some ideas yourself too who you could bring on the show to, uh, to yeah these things. yeah i definitely have a couple of great ideas and we'll uh we'll have to bring those out in the fall it'll be a lot of fun Okay, well, a lot more shows to come, of course. We're heading into the fall season, and uh, and winter is upon us as it gets dark. I mean, the evenings are creeping up on us, JJ. It already feels like we should be changing the clocks, doesn't it? It sure does. It sure does. And today, I mean, it rained and rained and rained cats and dogs all day long, so it was just kind of dark all day long anyway. Yeah, yeah certainly time at that time of year we start thinking about comfort food, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You want to be warm. All of a sudden, I mean, in Maryland, it's been so, so hot this summer. And all of a sudden now, instead of the iced coffee, it's definitely the hot coffee. Oh, <laughs> the coffee. There you go. Because there you go. thank God the heat finally broke, but it doesn't need to go from 95 degrees to like 60. You know, That's... a nice 70 degrees in there would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it did in Kentucky. <laughs> Well, we've got uh, just a few more things before we wrap up this week. And our next uh, segment is from with the U.S. Dressage Federation, their uh, monthly segment here where they bring us news and what's on their mind, what's happening over in their world. So, and to introduce that uh, this week is uh, Catherine Robertson from the USDF. Thank you, Chris. Oh, we're getting ready to kick off our uh, Farm Vet USDF Adult Clinic Series with Lilo Four as our featured clinician, and we're talking with Lilo today. And Lilo, you were recently involved in USDF's video production of On the Levels. As people watch the program, they'll see Gary Rockwell addressing rides from a judge's point of view, and you address the same rides, giving suggestions on how to improve specific movements as well as the overall performance of each desk. Can you? What advice do you have as a judge and an instructor for riders, their trainers, and instructors about how to select the appropriate competition level based on where they're at with their training program? Um, I think what riders need to understand is, is that when they want to go to the competitions, they have to be able to be proficient also at home. So if they are able to ride a test at home and, and feel secure about it and they have a feeling for what they're doing, say, that they are maybe 70 to 75% proficient in that particular ride, then they can expect somewhat also to be successful in the show arena. That's um, a great advice. Um, talk a little bit, uh, or, or what do you advice do you have as far as uh, how that relates to their scores? Um, you know, I think riders n must be a little bit honest to themselves and kind of let the scores tell them, of course, what is still missing or what where are their strong points and where are the weak points. When they did a test back, they shouldn't put it in the trash can, <laughs> even though the score may be low or, say, when it's a higher score, etc. So I think they should be 
free and willing enough to kind of read the test, learn from the comments which the judges have given, take that test, go to their trainers and say, look, I need to improve in these sections. Can you help me and can we achieve it before the next show? And then go on from there. That sounds like great advice. Um, we're getting ready to, like I said, to start the adult clinic series, and our first clinics are going to be in New York and Nebraska. What are you hoping to um, accomplish throughout the clinic series? Well, uh, hopefully that every writer goes home with something learned. And, uh, uh, you know, I haven't, of course, seen the writers. I don't know except, uh, you know, I don't know the expertise level, but my goal is, of course, is to make these writers go home uh, with something they have not known before and uh, making them be able to maybe take some nice um, uh, tricks of the trades home so they can help themselves at home with their riding and their horses, uh, making sure to give them simple exercises they can take home and to uh, improve their training and their and their uh, uh, expertise with their horses. So I try very hard to make it simple so that people understand it, try not to be too complicated, and so that, you know, amateur riders who are not, you know, maybe even having help every day and, and maybe they only have one lesson a week and sometimes even only one lesson a month, you know, that they have some exercises they can fall back onto to help them in their training of horses. Well, we're excited to have you on board for the clinic series and looking forward to it. I know we're getting um, a huge response. And um, if you want some information on the Farm Vet USDF Adult Clinic Series or the On the Levels DVD, you can visit our website at www.usdf.org. And if you want information on Lilo or to see her teaching style, you can visit eTrack, USDF's online learning center, at www.usdf.org backslash eTrack. That's E-T-R-A-K. Or you can go to the homepage and click on the eTrack banner. Thanks again, Lilo, for um, spending some time with us. And back to you, Chris. Thank you very much, and uh, USDF will be back with uh, another segment each month here on the Dressage Radio. So, so thanks to Th- Catherine Robertson and to Lilo Four. Well, JJ, before I let you go this week, you know, obviously, uh, all roads lead- leading to Gladstone this weekend. As we speak, they are um, obviously descending in Glad- on Gladstone, New Jersey, for the selection trials for the 2011 Pan American Games for the U.S., of course. And, uh, you know, a lot of other prestigious classes as well. I know you're going to be heading there as soon as we get off the phone. And uh, I, so I wanted to just go over that a little bit because we, we all have friends that are uh, obviously making a run for the team there. There's uh, quite a list of, uh, of Grand Prix horses and, of course, the small tour horses for the uh, Pan Am game. So uh, any, any predictions there, uh, JJ? Uh, do you have a crystal ball? Well, you know, you never know when it comes to horse shows. <laughs> <laughs> That's your prediction. <laughs> that is my prediction. You know, you can uh, shake it up any way you see it. But, I mean, I do think um, Heather Blitz, uh, the, you know, that horse, Paragon, is amazing. I think Stephen Peters um, just, you know, will produce wonderful tests. And, you know, speaking about our young horse program, you know, uh, with Shannon, uh, Stephen's horse, came through the Young Horse program, so I'm uh, really excited about that. And um, also Pico DeCero with Lisa Wilcox, Lord Albert with David Blake. Those are all horses that have come up through uh, the Young Horse Championships. And it's just exciting to see Grandioso um, also is a top horse that has come through the Young Horse classes. Um, So, yeah, as we kind of talked our first segment about, you know, the horses in the Young Horse classes and now half of the horses trying out for the Pan Am team are, are graduates of the program. So mm-hmm. I'm really, uh, I'm excited to see how it all shakes down and, and who ends up, you know, on the team this year. It's just a really exciting, I think, top, top level uh, of horses trying out for the Pan Am team this year. It's really exciting. Well, in due deference to the Grand Prix Tour, and it's, it, it, since it is 
the uh, small tour that's uh, limelighting this year with the Pan American Games. Let's just give the complete list of those combinations that will be vying for the Intermediate One Championship and, of course, a place on that Pan American team. And as you mentioned, Stefan Peters tops that. Of course, he's right at the top of the leaderboard right now in the rankings with Valtino's Magic. Second is Heather Blitz with Paragon. Then Cesar Parra with Grandioso. You mentioned Shauna Harding with Rigo, Marisa Festerling with Big Time, Jan Abeling with Rosenzalba 8, Tammy Batts with Ranko, Lisa Wilcox with Pico del Cerro. Pico del Cerro, how do you pronounce that? Yep, Pico del Cerro. Pico del Cerro, sorry, Lisa. Uh, David Blake with Lord Albert, Heather Mason with Warsteiner, Tom Noon with Fred Astaire, Jan Abeling again with Sandrina, Endel Otz, who's been a, a, a guest on the show here, Young Endel with Toscano, Claire Darnell with Calamar, Chris Hickey with Witness at Hilltop, and Caroline Adams with Winter's Prince. So good luck to all of them. Of course, also the Brentina Cup takes place at uh, Gladstone during the, uh, the championships there. They are the collecting Gates Farm uh, championships. Uh, we should give them their, their full title, the Collecting Gates Farm <laughs> USEF Dressage Festival of Champions, to be correct. So good luck to all of them and, uh, and uh, also the, the Grand Prix horses there that uh, are outperforming. It's going to be a very exciting weekend. Uh, um, can, can you, do, you, do you have any magic dusk you could whisk me up to, the, to Gladstone for the weekend and then uh, my dogs <laughs> wouldn't notice? You know, the dogs wouldn't notice I'm gone for a couple of days? <laughs> exactly. Well, I think it's going to be a little wet uh, up at Gladstone this year, but, you know, it's going to be just a, a terrific competition and, um, it's pretty fun to to see, you know, these horses in combinations where um, Tico DeCero is our developing horse champion from this year. Um, Shauna Hardin and Rigo were the developing horse champions last year. Um, it, it's just, you know, Lord Albert uh, with David has gone to the world championships in Ferriton. Grandioso was a six-year-old champion, national champion. So it's it's a, it's a young horse um, graduate program. So. Uh, yeah. It's really fun also, you know, for the United States to see that their programs are working and um, horses are sort of being funneled through the system. And now, you know, they're they're here trying out for an official team. So I think it'll just be really exciting what, what all happens by the end of the weekend. Absolutely. And to make the U.S. proud with all those young horse graduates. Well, good luck to all of them and, of course, that team that heads down to Mexico in October for the Pan American Games, and I'm sure hopes will be high that we bring back the, the get bring back the gold medal there, of course. But we'll be bringing you news uh, from Gladstone as it happens next week on the show. Uh, well, actually, I, I get that get that get, correct myself, JJ. Back up a bit. It will be two weeks before we could do that because next week's show has had to be pre-recorded. And that uh, will air next week. So the Gladstone results and, and the story from Gladstone and the announcement of the team, and we'll be talking to some people involved on the following week's show here on the Dressage Radio Show. But uh, anyway, I'm sure it'll be fun for everybody up there. I hope you stay dry up there, you know, because it can be everything, can't it, at Gladstone? You know, you oh. just can have everything there. It is. It just depends on the year. I mean, sometimes it's hot, 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 and other times, I mean, I think it was two years ago that, uh, half the thing got cancelled because it was just too wet. It was just too wet. So I, I hope uh, halfway through this week it, it's looking like it's going to be fairly wet, but hopefully by the end of the weekend, uh, by Saturday, Sunday, we'll, we'll dry out a little bit. Well, the good news is, of course, is the all-weather footing in the arena that uh, they've put down since the last championships there. Gladstone is, is truly a magical place. I, I just can't imagine the Festival of Champions ever been anywhere else it's just such a wonderful beautiful facility and just has a magical feeling to it so we're we're always excited to be there well have a great weekend and uh i want to thank you for for joining me this week jj to keep me company as co-host and for bringing your friend Teresa butter i thank her as well for being a guest as well as indeed abby henderson and of course the usdf's segment as well here with their guest uh, Catherine robertson introducing lilo for well that about wraps up our show for this week uh, apart from uh, gladstone what else have you got on your uh, calendar for the next few weeks jj oh i've got a couple of clinics i'm teaching 
and uh, we'll be slowly gearing up for the regional championship. So after Gladstone, things will quiet down uh, a little bit, and we'll just have our, our regional uh, championships, and then we start slowly pecking for Florida. Already, oh, <laughs> as it starts to rain and get cold, she's thinking of Florida. Exactly. Right. My my girls in the barn have a countdown. So <laughs> <laughs> once, once it gets a little colder and a little rainy, there's a countdown. <laughs> All right. Well, long before then, I hope you'll come back on the show and uh, and join me again as co-host. Great to have you, JJ. Thank you so much for having me. As always, it's my pleasure. Well, again, that wraps it up for this week. You know where the show notes are on our website at, uh, at dressageradio.com. And don't, don't forget, if you're, any, if you're under 20 years of age, I'm still looking for young reporters to report on your show wherever you are in the world. Just send me an email to chris at horseradionetwork.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. And uh, don't forget to come back here at the same time, same place next week where I will be waiting. So until then, thank you all for listening.